Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you today. And this is something that was inspired by uh, just my life recently. And it's a realization that I've had in workshop. It's a realization that... Uh, I just, I kind of have it periodically, right? I never forget it, but it's one of those things you just kind of remember about yourself. And I'm, I'm curious if you have something similar to this, where if something isn't like peachy in my life, right? It could be, maybe I just don't feel well, like mentally, spiritually, whatever. Maybe something is super stressful. Maybe something like went wrong. Maybe I made a mistake, something like that causes a bunch of anxiety, stress, whatever. Right. I, I, I don't know, whatever emotion you want to pinpoint, but my coping mechanism for these things, um, like specifically like in our times of stress, like in school is I find myself, that's when I become the most creative. And I think this goes back to when I was a kid, uh, and had to turn to music for all of these things and had to, uh, basically find doors out of whatever, terrible thing was happening in my house at the time. So as an adult, it's just something I do at all times. So if I'm being really creative, I know that even if I don't consciously know it, I go, Oh, I'm stressed right now. Or, Oh, something's happening. Do you have a similar thing? Are you, do you find yourself more creative? Do you find yourself doing certain things, uh, in these times where things might not be working out for you? Well, I do turn to music a lot, but I don't turn to music because I create it. I don't know how to create it, but I do love to listen to it. So I'll, um, I'll find myself, I can, I can while away quite a few hours listening to music. Of course, I grew up on gospel music. So I, I, I actually, my parents, uh, you know, introduced me to all of that. So I listened to a lot of Christian type music and then I always listen to that beat. I love the eighties cause that's where I grew up in. So I always go back to the eighties and, you know, walking on sunshine, never hurt anybody. So I, I try to find things like that or songs that, um, a lot of times my, my husband used to, um, send me songs that he thought, Oh, this reminds me of you, or this reminds me of us. So I, I have a whole list of those songs that I'll listen to. Uh, one of them is being, uh, you make me smile. So, you know, it's a little video that we used to sit and listen to when we were feeling down. So, uh, I do that. The other thing that I do is, um, well, I, sometimes I have to just go cry for a second to be real honest. I'll like, pin myself up for about maybe 30 minutes. I try not to let it go more than 30 minutes because then I feel like I'm wallowing. So I do about 30 minutes and, you know, I pray and then I find something to help somebody with. So I'm typically helping someone. That's usually what I do. The more I help, the more I get my mind off of me. So I usually try to find somewhere where I can serve or do something for someone else because, um, whether it's in my classroom or whatever, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing. So I might start creating a new lesson plan. So if I do create, it's probably, you know, working around my career in some way or reading a book. So mine's more of an escape, but try to find someone that I can, I can spend my mind on and not spend my mind on my situation. And I've had a few situations along the way. Um, but if it's a if it's something that I did that where I've upset somebody at school, you know, like a principal per se, um, I try to figure out what it was I did, and then uh, if I know that I'm about to be in trouble, I usually own up and just go and tell them before somebody else does. <laughs> so I usually I'm the one who tells them myself, "Hey, I'm just going to let you know that I said this thing to this parent, and uh, they'll be calling. <laughs> so when they do, just call me in, and I'll." I'll sit here and we'll deal with it together. So I do stuff like that. But as far as creative, I wish I wish I was a cleaner. I wish I would clean things because oh, then my life would be better. Oh, but I'm not God. that now. You're I could always choir. Yeah. Well, my mom, she was a cleaner. So, you know, and my sister's a cleaner. So you always knew that they were stressed when everything was spick and span, but sure didn't make things better in the long run. So I wish I was more that way, but no, I'm more of a, instead of being in my house cleaning, I'm more like, Hey, can I help you in your house? So that's more, more what I do. Yeah. I, I, you I second the, I wish, um, I had something productive that I did. Right. So like my, like for instance, I sat in my office like for half the day today, literally I think I've talked about this before on this podcast, but like there's times where like I'll go into the office or sometimes I'm not if I'm doing something I don't need to be in the office for, but I'll be on, I'll have my headphones on or whatever. And if I'm making music or something and I will literally disappear into a song for eight hours 
and just make it. And, you know, I'll pause to say hi to the wife and the kid or whatever, but I just kind of go in. It doesn't happen all the time, but it just sucks me and I don't plan these. Um, but you know, there's a lot of chores that didn't get done today because of that. So, <laughs> all right. But oh, well, an- another thing I like to do, and this happened, you might find this fun that I, it's not that I was upset or anything, but I guess I was. So I'm like, uh, I'm not going to be at my house right now. I'm going to go to a movie. So I went to a movie. I went and watched Batman, you know. And uh, But what was really cool was when I left the movie, this kid was holding the door open. This young man, was a high school kid, was holding the door open. And I'm like, uh, on my way out, and I'm like, oh, thank you. And he goes, oh. Miss Ochoa, and it was one of my students that I had when we had to disappear from COVID. Like COVID happened, and I never saw him again. And so he remembered me, and he was doing this great. It was a project that we were doing where that he was going to create stuff with guitars. He's into guitars, and I I asked him. I said, "Oh, we never got to finish your guitar project." He goes, "Oh my gosh, you remember?" And all this stuff. So he was starting to tell me, and his dad was there, and they were starting to tell me all this stuff that that led to that he's now working with guitars he's creating music he's uh finding a band he's actually you know he's doing all this stuff that where he's looking at doing a career in some way with guitars and he said it was because of that that moment so that was kind of cool that i went off and and went to the movies Uh, of course the last the one time i went to the movies and i came back married (laughs) i ran into my my husband was at the movies, so I'm really going to the movies probably in the best thing for me. <laughs> but I usually do an escape. That's hilarious. But well, welcome right. everyone. This is the Craft the Draft podcast. But that's Pam Ochoa. I'm Jacob Chastain. <laughs> we come on here every single week talk about reading and writing workshop and all of the nuance in between. We talk for 45 minutes to an hour usually because most educational topics actually take time to explore and talk and everything else. And we support everyone that comes over here and listens and appreciates the art of uh, talking to one another about everything. And you know what's even better is that Craft and Draft is supported by our Patreon producers, the producers of the podcast. We have Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia all supporting this podcast, just like you can at patreon.com slash craft and draft, where you can get access to a bonus episode every single month and our craft and draft tutorial video on how to do journals, which uh, we give some visuals and everything else in between. We have some future stuff planned. So join as soon as you can. It also puts you first in line for questions, which if you want to jump in, uh, now's the time to do it because we're going to be recording our bonus episode. We're going to be recording our bonus episode of Craft and Draft uh, this week. So it's going live very soon. So if you want to be first line to ask those questions uh, and ask a selfish question, the most direct question you can, then that's where you can do it. But today, what we're talking about is actually a positive thing, which, you know, surprisingly, I think we're going to tie it to this tardy thing, okay? Because you said some things in there that I want to uh, connect to. But we're talking about celebrations. How do we celebrate? We're, uh, how do we celebrate students in reading and writing? Uh, this is something that as the year comes to a close, believe it or not, we really don't have that many weeks left, ladies and gentlemen. Uh and it's time for celebration. Now, celebration should happen more times than just the end of the year, but now's the time to really be planning on how are we going to do this? How do we reward students uh, in a variety of ways? And what kind of rewards work? This has kind of been a topic of discussion on our own campus. So I think that's just going to blossom into a beautiful discussion. Welcome to Craft and Draft. All righty, Miss Ochoa. I got to say, can I say this on top of this? Because people are going to hear this podcast before they hear... My other one that's coming out in a few weeks on Teach Me Teacher. But I podcasted with uh, the Freedom Writer's Diary. I always I always say the Freedom Writer Diaries, but it's the Freedom Writer's Diary. That's awesome. Um, and How'd it go? It was awesome because, first of all, Aaron, um, is Aaron Gruel, she is... I mean, she is a workshop teacher through and through, like just the, what she talks about, like I, she's not really, she's not in the classroom anymore, but she does these, uh, uh, like 
these, I guess, retreats or workshops or whatever, where they bring in teachers and they do the writing process. And she does this with the freedom writers, like the kids that she taught in high school, they're with her and they do all of these, like they share and they get people comfortable a lot. What like the, like Abydos and like your classroom when it's at its peak, right. Is, you know, this Mm -hmm. sharing, it really does what she was describing literally was the method that you do when you're training in Abydos and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and I even talked to her about like, you know, how do you get people writing? Because she's working with, she works with students, she works with teachers and stuff. And they, she literally like beat for beat was like, we show great models, we analyze them and then we dissect them and then we write. And it was, I mean, it was just such a, it was a fun moment because I know she's been out of the classroom for a long time, but it was just talking with her was so exciting because it was, man, she's doing like her foundation's huge, right? I mean, that movie's big and the book has been big and whatnot, but her, just her perspective on the writing process and its value and why we should be pushing for kids to interact with uh, topics and subjects that they want to interact with and really empower that and also have a safe place for people to dive into uh, really like personal topics and stuff. I don't know. It was, it was just really awesome, but celebration was kind of a part of that process. It was celebration of the person. Right. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the humanization, so to speak. That's a, you know, that's a technical word, humanization of celebration. But for you, when you think of like celebration, Miss Ochoa, what does that mean in a classroom? Does it mean handing kids Snickers bars or Dum Dums or certificates or stickers? Um, or does it mean something else to you? Well, <clears throat> I've tried those things and I'm the one who fails. So <laughs> I figured it's yeah. probably, you know, I'll forget and I'll go, how come you didn't give us, you know? And so it's, so really to me, um, celebration comes after they've worked really hard or throughout the process when they hit milestones, then I think it's worth celebrating. And to me, celebration is, you know, every once in a while doing something uh, nice for the students. Like just recently, I did allow them to have like a game day and we took them down to the library and they actually picked games I had. Uh, and, And the reason for the celebration is this particular group of students, they're on-level students, but they scored, you know, we did the, our little mock test and they scored really well on it compared to all my other students. And so, uh, of on-level students. And so I wanted to celebrate them. And so I told them that because they did work hard and they put their best effort into this, then I think it's worthy of time for them to choose their own type of celebration. So we went, I talked to the librarian and we down, went down there. She had uh, Monopoly and Jenga and uh, cards and Uno and all kinds of stuff, Battleship. And I had a group of kids playing Battleship and I had a group of kids uh, doing Jenga, trying to, you know, that's the, was it, that's the blocks that you have to stack them and then unstack them without them falling. And of course, every time they fell, I jumped. So uh, there must be something there but uh then I had some do that but the neatest thing that our librarian did too is I had one student he's kind of a solitary student he's actually younger than everybody in my class because in math he was um moved up a grade in math and so that's his strongest part he's stronger in math than he is in English but he's still one of my smarter kids and so he kind of does things by himself and she had some cards. And so she, uh, our librarian, she's, she's wonderful. And you know that you've talked about her before <clears throat> about how great she is last year and stuff. And, but anyway, she recognized that he was trying to learn some magic tricks. So she, we, she walked over there to him and she said, are you trying to learn some card tricks? And he said, yeah. She goes, do you have any? He goes, well, I think I have one. And she said, well, hang on just a second. Uh, maybe you can show it to us in a minute. So she calls one of our uh, uh, algebra teachers uh, who was teacher of the year this year for us. And uh, that teacher just dropped, I don't know what she was doing. I think it was during her conference time, but she dropped what she was doing. 
she came down and apparently she knows several card tricks. And so she sat down and showed it to him, but it was just kind of neat to, it was a moment where we celebrated his work by doing whatever he wanted to do. And yet he kind of got to meet the new math teacher because see what's neat is he next year, he'll be having algebra. So he got to spend a moment with his algebra teacher and they, uh, uh, you know, connected on this uh, magic trick. And then she, he showed her one and uh, it was pretty phenomenal that, you know, he was able to do it. So I just thought it was neat that this little moment brought in other people uh, in our community and it just really celebrated my students. And then, so that was on Thursday. Well, then on Friday, that should have been a day that was out of control, right? I mean, because it was our day before spring break and most people have an out of control class. But I, so I thought, oh, okay, this might be, you know, I already gave them that day. But you know what? They came in. I told them what I wanted them to do. And it was one of my best days I've had with them. And I think it's because they know that I truly appreciated them. So I didn't celebrate with them by giving them things. And I didn't even tell them, if you do your your best, you will get this. No, they didn't even know it was coming. It was they did their best. And because they did their best, I celebrated their effort, but it, they didn't do their, they weren't, uh, I didn't use it as a motivator. Does it make sense? It was just a celebration of their effort. You didn't do the, the carrot on the stick, right? No, I didn't. And that's what's kind of, I think, unique about it. But then you don't think they're not telling my other students. They're all like, well, why did they get to go to the, so, I mean, the other students are now going, but why didn't they? And I said, well, they, they scored higher as a group than, than y'all did. So y'all are going to have to get after it if you want a little extra privilege. Well, now I'm holding a little carrot over there, their uh, uh, base or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gone, uh, I, I've, I've done all of it, right? I mean, at this point, I've done a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say, depending on the group, really depends on what works and uh everything else. You know, one thing I do before I kind of share some of my, some of the stuff I think works and some of the things that didn't work so much for me is I kind of want to bring up the, um, the idea that some people have brought up and we've talked about it on our campus as a department and we have varying beliefs about this. And even some of us take certain stances on this and still kind of do it every once in a while, which is, uh, this this is more prevalent in reading, right? They talk about how, like, Alfie Cohn has cited research about this. Donalyn Miller, I believe, has referenced stuff like this um, and some other people. But they talk about how the once you start rewarding kids for reading, for instance, right? When you're like, hey, if you read this many books, you get this, um, then you are – now you're creating um, this belief structure that the only time that you should read is if there's a reward, right? And it's and it's not something you're consciously saying, and it's not even something that I think 99% of the people uh, doing those things are wanting to do. What they're trying to do is motivate and encourage and all this other stuff. But there's this weird psychological thing that happens with people, which is if you get a reward for something, right? I mean, we, we all know Pavlov's dog. You get a reward for something, you tend to repeat those things because you want more of the reward. And the interesting thing about reading is that when you really are a reader, reading is the reward, right? Being able to sit down and enjoy a novel is a reward. Um, being able to take information from the internet that you care about, right? Like my son, people know that he's autistic. He loves technology and all this stuff. Him being able to really diagnose or dissect complicated technological information that he reads, like he reads manuals about stuff all the time on the internet. He does all this stuff. Uh, That is a joy to him. Reading is its own reward for him because it's leading to him being able to do more with technology or whatever, right? And this there's like this there's a cognitive thing um that if kids if you're like okay if you read you know the whole 15 minutes or whatever or you know 15 minutes a day until friday we're going to have a candy party or a pizza party or if we all read this and you know it's i think it's well intentioned but uh you know some experts in the field have caused or have have sounded the alarm on this stuff that it might not be something that is 
is is entirely beneficial, especially in the long run. It might be good uh, short term, but I think the philosophy of you and I and the philosophy of craft and draft definitely, definitely the philosophy of a workshop teacher is really the the long game, right? It's the instilling a love for literacy for literacy's sake because we understand that it permeates every aspect of life, both art and work, um, both pleasure and uh, non-pleasure. I don't know. I could think of an opposite one. <laughs> But you get my, you get my point. So I'm curious for you though. I mean, do you have you experienced that where you might have dangled a reward and then all of a sudden, uh, much like our conversation last week where we talked about the product took over the lesson? Do you find that rewards can often take over the the purpose of what we're doing in the classroom? Well, yeah, that's why. Uh, it's not that I haven't tried it. It's that I can't keep up with it. I personally, you know. Just, I mean, I find it difficult to keep up with. And then I give one student a reward, but then I didn't give this other student a reward, but then didn't they do some work? And so to me, that just becomes difficult. Uh, I know teachers along the way that have done that. It's also costly. Um, And then, you know, we had where I think candy and all that was really prevalent for a while. And, um, but then the state of Texas stepped in and said, you you can't, you know, we're depriving these students. They're not of a, a nutritious meal because they're they're filled up on a certain amount of sugar before lunch, and then and then you know we even ha- used to have snack machines and all this stuff, and they've taken all of those out. So it is kind of uh, interesting. So I know that I've had a teacher. She was just one of the neatest ladies, but she always gave candy at the end of the day. You know, and so they'd have to remember that they earned that reward and come back and get it. So that's something that that she did, and she did it for her grammar lessons. So if they completed so many grammar lessons and did everything accurately, then that's what they would do. But she actually taught grammar in isolation. She's an older lady and comes from the old, you know, the the old way of doing things, teaching grammar in isolation. But they, boy, they learned the grammar. They did, but I don't know how much it applied because later on she came to me and said, uh, I'm not getting the kind of writing that you're getting. And so we sat down and talked about it. Well, because I think she was doing things in isolation. So, um, but that was, I don't know, but as far as like doing the the reward external uh, motivation, I think you might need it for some, but I don't think it needs to be something that you do all the time. Because I I agree with you. I think it does take over so, uh, their learning. I want to I want to read this to you because I think it's interesting. But this is from okay. this is this book is one of the main reasons I had uh, Alfie Cohn on the Teach Me Teacher podcast a while ago. Um, but he has some of the best research in my opinion. I know people can people either really love Alfie or really hate him. He is a mm-hmm. he is a impassioned researcher, um, and I. I, I feel like I agree with quite a bit. I would have to really think about something I disagree with him on. So take that with for what it is while I kind of <laughs> pimp his book for a second. But he, right. he well, he has a book that for anyone interested in this, at least on one side of the argument, right? I think this is some really good stuff and it's a great uh it's a great resource if you want to kind of dive into the literature. We always talk about read the research and stuff like that. Um, but th- he has a book called Punished by Rewards, right? And this is this is what they say kind of in the blurb. It says our basic strategy for raising children, teaching students, and managing workers can be summarized in six words. Do this and you'll get that. We dangle goodies from candy bars to sales commissions in front of people in much of the same way that we train the family pet. He says, uh, in this book, they show that while manipulating people with incentives seems to work in the short run, it is a strategy that ultimately fails and even does lasting harm. Our workplaces and classrooms will continue to decline, Alfie argues, until we begin to question our reliance on a theory of motivation derived from laboratory animals, right? And then they go into, there's tons of research, there's tons of stuff cited in the book. I think it's such, it was one of the books I read that really did uh, it just altered how I thought about it, right? Like now, with that said, you are witness to this. I give kids dum dums all the time. <laughs> and it, you do. 
I do, but and I, I we we had this conversation with our team uh, when you snarkily took a shot at me, which I did, and it was fun. Yeah, it's fine. That's what. Hey, I, <laughs> we wouldn't be friends if we couldn't do that. First of all, because right. I I thrive on the fr- the friendly banter, but. <sighs> Uh, I do it in a very specific thing. I do it for things that are honestly forced upon me. You know, if there's something that we have to do on our campus because of district or whatever, a lot of the times that dumb dumb becomes the incentive. Um, every once in a while, like I, I consider multiple choice tests something that's forced upon me to do. If I had my choice, I would. I wouldn't say I would never do them because I think they're valuable in very specific instances and as, as a, an, an interesting data point. Um, but if I didn't have to, um, I probably wouldn't do them a lot, but we have to do a certain amount of them every six weeks or whatever. And, you know, I'll, I'll dish out rewards for that too. And, you know, if kids come to tutorials, for instance, like our campus, uh, for the afternoon tutorials, they provide snacks for students because they're being forced to stay, you know, for 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, te- we get paid for this time. So, uh, for people mm-hmm. who are listening, you know, we get our own kind of incentive, so to speak, but, uh, kids, honestly, they will show up for those dang goldfish and juices and stuff. Like they literally just come in and go, all right, I need, I need my snacks, Chastain. And, you know, and then sometimes I I'll add to it by a dumb dumb or something like that. So, I'm even though I'm saying all of these things about rewards, you know, there is a unique thing. And I honestly, I think some of that is our, the way our system is designed. You know, if we had a utopian society, no rewards would ever be required for anything, right? No one would ever have to be paid more. No one would ever have to, you know, be given something to incentivize. But, you know, there is something to be said about that. Now, I think the interesting part of this and why this connects to the celebration aspect is. I think it comes down to really understanding the why behind what you are doing. Um, like for like, I used to <clears throat> maybe not since uh, I mean, maybe not since my like my second or third year, but I used to give out you know rewards for you know kids like if I saw them reading really well, I would hand out a dumb dumb. But in in retrospect, I was probably just rewarding the best fake readers, right? Because I wasn't. I wasn't a good enough teacher at the time to really have them super engaged. I wasn't conferencing that often. So all I was doing was looking at them and if they could trick me, you know, they could get their piece of candy or whatever. Um, but I was training them, you know, in, in the wrong things, you know, education, uh, to a large degree is opening up young people's minds to the vast world within them and giving them tools to navigate it. Um, and, to only, not saying it's entirely bad, but to only care about doing something because you get a reward or because you benefit from it, you know, it's it, it's not hard, I think, to see why that would be a problem, right? If we, if like for instance, like charities, if 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 charities only, like if you only did charities because you had a benefit, uh, then they we wouldn't ever really have successful charities. Now there are also, I know that businesses donate and they get tax write-offs and stuff like that. But I would argue that like, you know, people going and, you know, working at the homeless shelter or feeding people at food banks and stuff like that. A lot of those people do that with no monetary gain or no any of that, you know, people in churches or synagogues or mosques, like a lot of them do, uh, a lot of social good. Um, maybe it's their religious beliefs or whatever, but it's, I, I feel like, you know, it's different than a monetary, you know, very like I get this now I can hold it. This is what I get for reward. And I, I would argue that that is a healthier, uh, goal. Whether that goal can always be realized is another conversation, but for you, you know, what do you see? Um, what do you see as the, the complexities of this? Because I feel like I just hit on a bunch of things, but I didn't dive too deep into any of them. Like when, when it comes to rewards and celebrations, what are the what are what do you think about in terms of doing that? How do you decide uh what type of celebration or reward is is worthy of the moment? Do you have a thought process? Do you just kind of feel it out? Like what is how do how do you come to those yeah. conclusions? I don't always pre-plan. I think, I think me personally, um, I really agree with the idea that 
when students feel smart, that's going to motivate them. And I think that's where our craft and draft comes in because when they're finished, like right now I have students that are like having to, I mean, they're having to purchase a new book or I'm having to give them a book, uh, a new one. They have filled it up and that filling that up, they see how much work they've done. They've, they go back and look at their writings and are like, they're wowed by their own ability. And so they feel smart. And so they want to do more. And to me, that is the long haul. Now, I chose to celebrate these students. Well, let me go back. When you, to me, the best way that you can celebrate a, an individual is to give them your time, to acknowledge their ideas, and to provide them a way to share all about that. So to me, in, in an authentic way. And so I think that's, one of the things. So that community, everybody wants to feel like they belong. And I think if you can provide a safe environment where they can feel like they belong, then I, to me, that that is it. And when you see a student that has set a goal and they've made that goal, then I don't think you have to give them something, but I do think it's nice to acknowledge them. Like you can, uh, the whole class can do a, a nice little celebration. I think uh, just even a, a clap of you know, a round of applause or, a, you know, I think, um, uh, what is that? Obviously, uh, Kagan, they do a lot of those applauses and things like that. But I think if you, you can overkill. So it's got to be something to me that you don't do very often. Like what made that free day, if you will, or that celebration day, because I got to be careful saying free day. But uh, if you know what I mean, <laughs> And got critiqued over free day, oh, but but the thing is, she didn't by the way, she did not. Not no, nobody knows that they critiqued me. They just critiqued <laughs> the, the moment that I know that I'm the one. That's the worst when you do something and someone says something and they it don't realize back. that they're coming. They're talking about you. I know it. They didn't know that when they were talking to me, it was me they were talking about. So it was hilarious. But anyway, so, but the thing is, that was something I don't do. This It's something I don't do at all. So to do something like that out of the ordinary, they're not expecting it. And then when I do it, it's like, oh, so you mean we really can do, I mean, are you mean we really can play with Are you sure? And I said, yeah, because y'all deserve it. You worked really hard. So they worked really hard intrinsically. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell them anything about if you work hard, you're going to get anything. I just have been working with them. And I told them, I said, it would be, in, I did tell them it would be in their best interest to uh, work hard so that we can see what we need to work on in order to uh, be successful at the end of the year. And that these tests that we do help me figure it out so that I can help them better. And uh, I think they've had enough success along the way that they, I guess they trusted me in this area, but they really did do well. And so I want to do something completely out of the ordinary. And uh, so that's why I know, but, but I gave them time. I gave them choice and I allowed them to, uh, do their celebration independently. They got to choose what they wanted to do and they got to, you know, we provided like a little community, uh, and do it. And I think it just really, I mean, they just felt, they felt validated for their work. And I just noticed that that very next day, which should have been a horrible, horrible day based on history, historical right before you go on break everybody's crazy right they weren't they sat down and they did I mean we talked we did research and uh they were all working and uh you know things like that they read when I asked them to read and I mean I didn't have one fight with them so it was really kind of neat to to see that but I that was my whole day Friday I didn't have any issues Friday so it's kind of a neat. Oh, I was celebrated. So I, I want to tell something that's actually meaningful, but I also want to take a shot at myself real quick because I am not above uh, 
messing up. So I had, I told you in our partner, this story the other day, but it's such a funny example of this because it was, it was, <laughs> I was not a baby teacher when I did this and I'm not hundred percent sure the thought process. Um, but I, I'm still scarred by this experience. So I had <laughs> this, uh, class who, was they had done they had done really well on our test that we did, um, and they were doing really really well in kind of like their writing and everything. And it was the end of a six weeks, and I wanted to give them time just to kind of finish publishing, conferring with me. This was me that they were in sixth grade at the time, and uh, they they we hadn't gone through. Uh, the entirety of the the publishing process yet, right? Because when I'm teaching sixth grade for kids that really don't know, I, I spend that whole first six weeks really walking through the whole process, right? Going through drafting and all of this and publishing, and then eventually uh, the evaluation part that kids do one on one with me on every single piece, right? Um, and so this one is. I was at that stage. We were at the end. I had a lot to catch up on because kids were finishing late, but they were doing good work. And I rewarded them by putting on a movie uh, while they were working and finishing up their stuff. And so I was doing, I was basically calling up one by one as they finished to confer with them in the back to evaluate their pieces with them, go over that, all that other stuff. Uh, And the movie was on just kind of like as a reward, distractor, whatever, right? Lo and behold... My principal, who had just got there, she's still oh, our principal no. today, she walks in the door. And I, I'm not too concerned about it at this point because we don't we don't have like a no movie policy. Like I'm not doing anything that is like forbidden, so to speak. But no one likes a random visit when you're doing something a little lax or whatever. And then right after my principal walks in, my de, my content coordinator walks in from district and I went oh, Oh my God. And you know, <laughs> I stand up and I don't panic, but I walk over to them and I, you know, I say hi, or whatever. I'm friendly with both of them at this point, but you know, and just talk and I, I explain why the movie's on. And our principal, who's probably saving face a little bit because she's new to the campus, and this is only this is literally the first six weeks, I was like, Oh my, I love this movie. This is great. Like <laughs> You didn't know what to say. Yeah, and I was like, well, all right. And so it was it was just this moment to where I explained that it was like a reward. We were still working. It was all this other stuff. But the movie was definitely on. And look, I still I think about that moment randomly, like throughout every year. And I'm just like, good God, Chastain, what are you doing? Like, you know, it's moments like that where I'm just like, I should have had the foresight, so to speak. Um, but in any case, so I'm not a, a you know, this isn't uh, spoken from any type of high horse necessarily. This is spoken from experience is really what all of this is coming from. Um, but on a different note and a more positive note and something that I talk about in Rifle Empowered and what we've talked about on here several times and I've talked about it on social media, which is uh, in, we've talked about reading a little bit right now, but in writing, uh, uh, the number one reward that I get for writing is every six weeks I put quote the best 10 representative pieces. Sometimes I do more, um, 10 representative pieces up on the wall, right? They publish, uh, I go through them. I print them out. I try to make sure that e- there's pieces from each class, right? Sometimes some classes do better. Some classes, sometimes classes do worse. Like this last six weeks, I had more on level pieces on the wall than I did honors, um, for a variety of reasons, but that was uh, that that was an interesting turn of events because usually it's kind of the other way around. But kids come in every six weeks after the first one, right? Once it happens, because I talk about it throughout like the first six weeks, and they're like, okay, whatever. But once they see their stuff on there, there's this magic, there's this tangible energy that happens when kids know that they can make the wall. And sometimes I tell them, sometimes I'm like, like I had several this last Friday before spring break when I was kind of going over their research pieces that they wrote. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is phenomenal. This blew me away. You're, you're, I challenged them to write from unique POVs based on their research. So Um, some of them wrote from like the point of view of like some of them, they researched Stoneman Douglas high school, which was a shooting that uh, a place where a shooting happened. Uh, 
and they wrote from the perspective of the school and they have this line that just keeps repeating in my head because I think it's so haunting, but it was, I shouldn't have let them in. Right. But they're speaking from the perspective of the school. I had someone write from the perspective of Martin Luther King standing on the balcony right before he was assassinated. I had someone write from the perspective of Emmett Till. I had, I, I mean, there was so, I had someone write from the perspective of pop music. So they researched pop the genre and wrote from the perspective of people liking you for all because you're catchy and everything, but you fade away over time because just, just the next hit just keeps coming. And I was like, what that is. I mean, there were so many awesome things. So I spent all like the day before spring break, really celebrating their writing, both like verbally and with their grades and stuff. But when the new six weeks comes around, a lot of those pieces are going to make the wall and those kids are going to come in and they're excited to see them because my wall is covered with all of these pieces. And it's such a, a validating experience for them because what happens is, is when we go to writing, uh, when we come back, not from break because we still have a few weeks left from that, but when we come back when the six weeks is over and come back to the new one. I'll say, and you'll notice there's a bunch of pieces over there. Feel free to make your way over there. Read what made the wall, blah, blah, blah. Some of y'all made it. Some of y'all didn't. I always reiterate, just because you didn't make it doesn't mean you didn't write something horrible. It's because these are representative of what we were learning this six weeks, blah, yada, yada. And it it just causes this, uh, it, it's this infectious desire to write something that makes the wall, right? And it's, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, like that's what... This is that skill of putting something out there and seeing the reaction. I mean, this is the skill of what it takes uh, to be a business person on social media. If it, you know the the term all pre- like all attention or all press is good press or whatever. What what is it mm-hmm. all? What you know? What I'm talking about what? What's the quote? Yeah. I uh, can't tell you any press is good press. I don't yeah, know. Right. So people that press. like, if negative things happen, at least they're talking about you. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a skill set in a world where everyone has access to say what you want on the internet. You have to stand out some way. And some people do it in really positive ways. Some people do it negative ways. Some people do it yeah. by accident. Um, <laughs> but that is, that's a real life skill. And it's something that I can build um, in very small ways in the writing workshop of, Hey, you wrote something now let's put it out there and see how many people do it. Some people don't care. Like some kids are like, they don't react, but some of them really be like, I love this piece. I want to write something like this. And those students just beam with all of this energy. I want to pinpoint one more thing before I pitch you a question is, uh, our partner, she does these pictures when That's kids. That's what I was going to say. Oh, where are you? Oh, you, you yeah, explain keep it. Keep going. No, no, no. You do it. Okay. You're so good. She, she uh, I, I think this is inspired, you know, Penny Kittle does stuff like this. Kelly Gallagher, I believe, does stuff like this. You know, a bunch of teachers do, but she has this like cork board on top of her library. And they, she takes like these little Polaroid pictures of kids when they finish a book. And she told me one time, it was early in the year, she goes, That's my proudest thing right there. You know, she has art for people that don't know our part. She's literally one of the best teachers on the planet. When she I, is. when I met with her originally and, uh, I was one of the people who was a, an essential piece of her getting hired. I literally interviewed her and then called my principal and said, if we don't hire her and make her my partner, I'm going to cry. And that, so that's, that's how we got her over there. But I, I'm her biggest fan. I think, I think she's literally one of the best teachers I have ever met in my entire life. And her room looks like it, right? She has mm-hmm. the, the best anchor charts. She does Jeff Anderson stuff. She does word wall. She does data. She does it all, right? But yep. she, to have her say, this is my proudest moment right here, right? This cork board with these kids reading books, it's because she is a, the the passion that I think that you and I share for the writing side and whatnot, it's her we've always said that you're kind of in the middle. You're you're like you're you're both I'm I lean more writing, she more reading, and then you're kind of the best of both worlds. But oh, her well, her passion of kids finishing books and stuff, but she honors that just by doing that mm-hmm. picture, right? Kids wanna be on there. Kids wanna have that that representative. And she has kids on there that probably have, like, uh, she said this, like they haven't read a book since like first grade, second grade, since the only books they've ever read are the kid, the books that kids or the teachers read aloud. And I think that is, these are, those I think are so impactful because the, the moments where kids can look back on something that was positive, that is not something that goes away. You know, a, a candy bar, only celebrate someone as long as the candy bar lasts. But knowing that you had a picture up on the wall, knowing that you had a piece on the wall, that changes people. No, it really does. That's what she was saying to me the other day too, was that 
uh, she had some students who were like, no, 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 no. And then when they she started showing, putting other kids up there, they were like, can I have my picture? When can I get my picture? But yet they were the ones that said no at the beginning. So that's neat. But I, another thing, it works even... I. I I, you know, I teach Abydos, I teach student, uh, teachers, and um, I worked with uh, this lady. She's one of my dearest friends. She doesn't live in the area anymore because her husband had moved, but uh, we worked together for three summers in a row, and uh, uh, she's phenomenal, too. And But what we did together is at the end of the three-week period, the teachers have to publish something. I have to pick something, and they literally put it out there. And so what we did is, of course, we all had computers. This is during the time where everybody, you know, it was a computer lab, not necessarily their own devices. So we were in a computer lab. And so she was helping half the group. We had about 40 participants. Uh, we, we carried 40 to 50, somewhere in there. And uh, so she was one side of the room, I was on the other. And let's say, Jacob, you pushed your button to to submit. And we go, I go, Hey, Sonia, guess what? Jacob just hit the button. Everybody, everybody announcement. Jacob just published. He's now publishing. And then everybody would go, woo. And then we go to the next person. And so it was neat because at first they were like, mm. but then they were like, Hey, come over here. I'm about to post, you know, and even the adults got excited because they were about to publish, which leads me to ask you a question. Didn't you just celebrate some of your students from your book? Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Because oh that was God. a great celebration. I could talk forever about this, so you have to cut me off. But <laughs> oh, well, no, you're the one watching the clock. Yeah, anyway, no, go we're good. But no, it's so we did. I love what we did. First of all, it turned out way better than I could have honestly asked for. But um, you know, for people that are unfamiliar, Rightfully Empowered just came out. My second book, but all about writing workshop. You should check it out. But um, it's uh, so. It, it was something, it took about two years, right? I started writing it. Um, I would have to look at my documents to really put a nail on it. But when my students were sixth graders, I started kind of tinkering with this idea um, and kind of just brainstorming, kind of outlining how I wanted to to talk about this because I knew we were doing something unique. We were tweaking workshop uh in a way that I thought could be valuable for a lot of people to where I was kind of taking all my greatest inspirations, you know, Penny Kendall, Nancy Atwell, uh, Reggie Routman, Laura Robb, all of them and kind of meshing them in a pot and then applying them how in a, in a, in a way that made sense for our class, our school, our student body, all that stuff. And so as I started writing, I realized that I was like, man, I really like they're publishing great stuff. I was like, I don't want to just write about, I don't want to write about students in this process. I want to show my word. Like I want to talk about it, but then show what happens with those ideas, show the actual pieces that come about from these things. And so rightfully empowered was born. But in that process, I was like, they aren't like, I'm not using them as examples in the book. Like to a degree I am like, there's certain parts where I do that, but honestly, a lot of their pieces, they're there because I love the pieces and I think they should be published and all, and all of this. And because of that, I was like, this is their book too. This is something that, uh, uh, it's something that it wouldn't exist without them. And so this idea of doing a book launch for them, uh, really kind of took hold. And I started talking about it with my wife and we started planning it. And then we essentially had this idea because we have a brand new school this year and we have a bunch of like empty rooms, which is hilarious, but we have a few. And I was like, you know what, let's do, I, I approached my principal and I said, you know, when this book drops, I want to do a book launch. I've, had these kids for two years. They're eighth graders now. I want to celebrate them and their stuff. And I just think it would be awesome. And we can raise money for the, uh, the school library and everything else. It'd be great. And she goes, sweet, let's do it. You, you handle it, but I'm, I'm your supporter. And so, but my, <laughs> my wife and I, and, you know, I reached out to our team and, you know, the, the crew that I usually do, uh, Melinda Bannister, who I, I mentioned her by name because she's been on teach me teacher before people may know her from season one, but, uh, and, our librarian and everyone else. And I was like, I want to do this. So my wife and I went up there 
stayed at the, for a few hours one night. We put tablecloths down. We put made everything like a U. And I was like, I want to have these kids sign this book, but I want to I want to record this process. I want to celebrate it as this huge thing. I want them to feel like rock stars. And what do rock stars do when they get interviewed? They get one on one time with the camera. They get to sign books. They get rewards. They get popcorn. Like you know, you get all these things. I want to treat them like these kids who accomplished something huge because they did. And so we had this huge uh, party. We invited their families, which I was so excited to see many. We had so many, we had to bring in tons of extra chairs. You were there, Mm -hmm. right? We had, we had the initial kids around this little like U shape. And then all the parents are around tons of teachers forgot that this was happening because we had, they'd sent out an invite, but teachers were like, what is this? Like, they didn't really know. But as the energy started happening, more teachers came in and they started taking pictures and also, and then it became this huge event. But what it was, was essentially us just sitting there celebrating each other, signing books, making these 24 students that are in the book literally feel like rock stars and and be proud of themselves and be proud of their pieces, whether they had one piece, two pieces, or in the case of Viviana Castro, who had seven or so pieces in the book because she's a phenomenal writer and probably take over the world one day. Uh, we celebrated them and it was it was the most over the top thing you could do, I guess, for a student writing, but it was also it was so humbling for me because like I'm, I'm in a world where like, you know, I create and do this stuff all the time and I've had those successes. Like I think of like one of the most life changing ones for me was when I was in drumline in high school, we went to Indianapolis and performed and we got seventh in the nation, but we performed in front of like 50,000 people at Colt stadium, right? That's a life changing moment. When you get a standing ovation, from 50,000 people and you're on the drum line and you know, it's all this that is a, that you don't get that experience all the time. And I remember my drum line director, right. he told us, he goes, you will never experience something like this again, unless you're literally like the 0.1% of society. Like this is, this is something most people never experience. And he was right. Right. And for a lot of our students, a lot of them will never experience in their day to day lives. This, this, uh, celebration of they created something and it's out in the world, right? Being a creative is hard. Most writers, don't live off of their writing. Like, you know, we see the New York times people and all that stuff. Like it's most writers have second jobs to do all this. Most like most teachers have second jobs and do all this, but it was something that I could give them and celebrate them and do all this. And it was, it was the coolest thing on the planet. They, they really loved it. I think the video speaks for itself. If y'all haven't seen the video, y'all should go see it. But I, I got to tell you this before I stop talking about it. I told you I could talk about it forever, but our principal, she gave me the best compliment, which was, she said in all of her years of education, that was the most heartwarming celebration she's ever seen for students. Uh, and it, she was like, I, she was like, I almost teared up when you were reading your intro. And I was like, I almost did. So it is, it is what it is. But the, I, that's what I think we should always strive for, right? We not, obviously we can't do these big events all the time. The reason that it event is special because it's unique, but I think, you know, if we really try, we can create classrooms that, that give kids these experiences that when they leave, you know, maybe they don't remember your lessons or maybe they don't remember specific things, but they can remember how they felt in your classroom. They can remember feeling better about being a reader and a writer. I have dyslexic students who are now readers. They came to me saying, I can't read. I hate reading all this. And now they read regularly despite having uh, a disability. And, uh, I, I really do feel like when we talk about celebrations, that is what we're trying to hone in on. What what do you think is the 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 proper way to kind of think about these things? Because we we've hit on a lot. We've we've talked about some examples, but like for teachers who are wanting to validate their hard the students' hard work, or or maybe even I feel honestly I feel like it's like I feel like the validating piece is a little easier. It's the encouragement part that might be the hardest, right? It's, it's the getting the, the non-compliant kid to, to work. It's the getting the, the apathetic students to move, right? I feel like those are the struggle spots with this. What is the, how should we be thinking about, uh, giving those kids something to look forward to that isn't just tied to, uh, some type of intrinsical valuable or, or not valuable, but intrinsical, like physical object that we can give them. What, what's the proper, Extrinsic. yeah. 
Um, well, you know, what comes to my mind is I have a student that's just struggled all year. As a matter of fact, the, the reading lab person is, you know, wanting to, is thinking that he can't learn and, you know, we're having to fill all this paperwork. But, you know, I pull, I pulled that student up and, and I have data, right? He's made some goals and he didn't pass this last test. He didn't. But he improved it by four answers. And he still didn't pass it. So that tells you that he was mainly getting two right at a time. That was it. Like on a test of uh, 15, he would only get two correct. So he was getting very discouraged. How do you celebrate that? You know? And so I pulled him up. I showed him, look, this is where you're at. And and I think um, I wasn't sugarcoating it. I was telling him, this is where you're at. This is what you're doing. Let's focus. This is what you've done well. You've got, you've answered these two correct. Most of the students didn't get summary correct, but you did, you know? So I think that's a big deal. I gave him a fist bump. This next time I call him up here and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at this. Let, let me look at your, let's look at, this is what you did. He was all like, ah, I failed again. And I said, but hang on, let's go look at your last test. So we look at the last test and let's look at the test before that. Look at the test before that. And they were all low. And he goes, oh, so I've improved. And I said, that's right. I said, you just have to start believing in yourself. I do. I believe in you. And he was like, you could just see him like, instead of slumping, he kind of got a little taller. Now I'm hoping that will carry on. You know, I mean, we're still, we've struggled all year and he also misbehaves a lot. So uh, the reason he's misbehaving is because he's feeling defeated. That's what my thinking is. So I've celebrated his, not his end result, but I've celebrated the growth that he's shown. But what I did is I pulled him up. I spent a little one-on-one time just with him. I was honest with him. But then I showed him what he is doing well and then gave him a goal for the next time. But then we ended like with a little simple fist bump. He had a smile on his face because, okay, 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 I think I can do this. You know, and so it's just kind of neat to to me, celebrating is not giving an extrinsic thing. I think celebrating is showing these students what they can do, showing them what their possibility is and celebrating them by honoring their work and honoring themselves, their, their, their beings. And I think to me, that's the number one thing we can do for any of our students. It's the honoring part, right? It's the, I think this, I do. it's mm-hmm. the, I think it's the reoccurring theme about it is the, I think the more genuine, the reward, the more genuine the praise, uh, mm-hmm. it, it means a lot. Because, you know, I think there is a, a space for, uh, you know, tangible rewards that really do value. But it also, we have to, we have to understand that there are cognitive um, downsides to these things. And, you know, th- it's our job as professionals to read the research and decide when it's appropriate to do something and when it's not and uh, and measure the results. Right. I mean, if you have a bunch of kids that only read for candy, then that's a problem. If you have kids that uh, accept a reward for doing good stuff, then that seems fine. Uh, It's a I think it's a matter of just being honest with, you know, is this is this do you feel like this is working because it's making kids compliant or is it working because it's adding value to their education? I think that's a that's an interesting question to ask is is why are kids motivated in this class? Are they motivated to, because they're learning? Are they motivated simply because they're great? Are they, are they motivated because that teacher is mean and they just want to make that teacher happy? So they don't have any uh, negative repercussions or are they motivated for some other reason? I think that is, I think that's a key component. And uh, the best way to kind of come to that conclusion is just being honest with yourself and watching other classes and talking with teachers. But that's what we do over here on Craft and Draft. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an hour. That's our discussion on rewards, celebrations, and everything else. That's Pamela Chum, Jacob Chastain. We are two Texas teachers down here in, uh, I said Texas teachers, in the state of Texas, doing our thing with reading and writing workshop, uh, loving what we do. We love talking all things teaching and 
talking all the nuances of uh, what we do in teaching, whether that is tardies, rewards, or getting kids to be excited to be in our spaces to read and write. If you would like to support this podcast, there are several ways you can do so. You pick which one you want. It's up to you. You are a free person. You can do whatever you want. You can just simply just listen. But if you would like to go further, you can subscribe so you don't miss any other podcast release in every single Friday. If you would like to add more to that, you can review the podcast by writing a review over there on iTunes, or you can just hit that star button. Those five stars really do help. Or you can really step up and go to our Patreon page where you can support us um, at our listener or listener plus tiers where you can get either bonus episodes or our bonus video that we made talking about our craft and draft system. We are working hard on a book and something else to support you guys, but that video is the best way to learn uh, this journal system that we have fallen in love with ourselves. It's not something that we advertise because we want to make money off of people. It's really something that we discovered together as we developed it, and we just want to share it because we think it is a fantastic way to manage your workshop. I want to close this by thanking Sarah, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia for supporting this podcast over there on Patreon, just like you can at Craft and Draft. Nope, patreon.com slash Craft and Draft. And you can find that link at craftandraftpodcast.com. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Come back next Friday for another fantastic episode. And know that we are here for you.